0: is how we fight our battles you may be seated praise the Lord well I have the great honor and privilege to introduce to you our guest speaker for the night pastor Ray Rosa who is the state director of New York Teen Challenge But he's more than that. He is a personal mentor from the time that I came in the Ministry of Teen Challenge. Um, He's a brother. Most importantly now, he's a friend. Uh, Somebody that uh, I personally look up to has helped me make a lot of major decisions in my life and and, and correct some uh, mistakes in my life also. Uh, And it's a great honor and a privilege to be able to introduce to you Pastor Ray Rosa as he comes and shares the word.
1: Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing tonight? Amen. Was there any, anybody new here tonight? Paul asked. I didn't know if anybody raised their hand as they were here for the first time. Okay. Okay. Because you had offered to give them Easter colors. And to my wife, Easter colors were a little pill that she took that contained the circus inside of them. And when she popped one of those, she would see elephants and clowns and multiple things in the air. <laughs> That's, not That's not what we're giving tonight. I wanted to clarify that because you're saying you're giving Easter colors out. And the first thing that comes to my head, what are we giving these people? Amen. So how's everybody doing tonight? Amen. Praise God. As, as Pastor Paul said, my name is Ray, and I'm um, I work I'm with Teen Challenge, ministering with Teen Challenge now for a little while, and um, it is a privilege for me to be here in God's house, um, where it all started, this this very room that we're um, sitting in right now has so much history, this this ministry has so much history, um, all over the world, as some folks um, that you know um, went to the Dominican Republic in Puerto Rico, um, two wonderful ministries that we just visited. Um, the work that God is doing around the world it started here is what I'm trying to get at. Um, it's not just about us, it's not just about the drugs we were on, because there, there are still hundreds of thousands of people out there who are bound by drugs and alcohol. Um, and, and most importantly, who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. I came to Teen Challenge, I came right through this driveway in 1996, I think it was May. And um, I walked up to the window, and I asked the lady, as soon as I walked into the backyard, I said, this is not going to work for me. Um, I'm from Queens, and I thought I had to get a little bit farther than Queens for me to get help. And I asked her, do you have another location? I mean, before asking her anything about what Teen Challenge was, they didn't know what it was. And she said, yes, we have them all over the world. I said, well, where's the next closest one? And she said, Long Island. So I said, great, so can you give me that phone number? She gave me the number. I left, and I called Long Island, and I spoke to a wonderful intern called Keith, and I asked Keith for directions on how to get to Long Island Teen Challenge, and his response was if you really need help, you will find out how to get here. Click, and he hung up on me. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And I called back again. I said, I really need help. He says, then you're going to find out how to get here. Click, he hung up again. (laughs) And that was my first experience with Teen Challenge, and and and. And it wasn't a great one, but it's been an incredible journey. Teen Challenge has changed my life. It is the most, um, second most important, third most, fourth most. Maybe it's probably the fourth most because my wife, my children, um, my family, of course. And 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 but I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for Teen Challenge. Amen. And tonight I have a word for you. I I was talking to Pastor Paul today because we drove all day looking for sites for Rock the Block, where we're going to preach the gospel this summer. And um, and I had a word, and then I went upstairs to pray and to study, and then I got another word. So I, I am going to bring together the words that God has for you guys tonight, amen? And if you were in Santiago with us, who was in Santiago with us last week? Um, one, two, just two of you, okay. So you're going to hear a part of something that we spoke about on the Monday morning when I spoke at the... Um, at the men's home in the Dominican Republic. So if you can, stand with me for the reading of God's word. And we are going to turn to the book of Exodus. Sorry, Exodus chapter 15. I'm going to take my glasses off. Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 25, amen? Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 through 25. Whatever version you have, it might read the following way. It says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, therefore it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you because your word is powerful. It is powerful to save, powerful to heal, powerful to transform, powerful to guide. And Father, tonight I cannot speak this word without you. Father, this word is just words that are empty if, if it comes from me my knowledge, my understanding, or or my effort, Lord. And tonight I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would speak, that your word would fall on fertile ground, and that the hearts of those that can hear my voice tonight will be changed and transformed by the power of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. (laughs) Praise God. As most of us know, um, we know the scriptures of Exodus, and a lot of us, since we were kids, depending on what religious background we might have had, um, understand the story of Moses in Egypt and how Moses was used to rescue the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and bondage. And if you read the book of Exodus, it explains all of that. It explains the calling of Moses, his life, and what the Lord was doing and was going to do and accomplish through the life of Moses. Um, At this particular point, as we've read, Moses was already advanced in his um, experience with the Israelites, um, he had already performed all of the plagues um, in, in, in in Egypt. Um, the people of Israel knew that he was the anointed one, that he was the chosen one to lead them and guide them um, from slavery. Um, he had performed so many things, and the people had, had witnessed firsthand so many things that only God could have made happen. Amongst them, I feel, my personal greatest one is, of course, the... Passover of the, uh, the killing of the firstborn, amen? If you recall in the book of Exodus, um, one of the things, one of the last um, miracles that God performed in Egypt um, was the killing of the firstborn, and he told the Israelites, if you put the blood over your post, over your doors, um, I will pass over your house and not kill your firstborn. So in Egypt that night, hundreds of thousands of children um, were killed, amen, by the spirit of death except um, the children of Israel, all of the ones that um, were obedient to God's word and didn't put the blood over their doors. So that's how the Jewish people celebrate Passover today. Um, it's in commemoration of the miracle that God did during that time. And we understand that they had visibly experienced this. We understand that they lived it and that they embraced it and it was a part of their lives. They had seen firsthand the, the miracle of the, of the frogs, the miracle of the of the grasshoppers, the miracle of the of the Nile being turned into blood, of the passing of the first child, um, what were the other miracles? Can somebody help me with the other miracles, Paul? The flies, the miracles of the flies or the gnats, right? Amen. The locusts, the frogs, we mentioned those, the water in the Nile, the blood, right? So all of those things were, did not just affect the Egyptians. The Israelites saw. All of these things. Amen. The Israelites saw that they were exonerated from all of the consequences of disobedience of Pharaoh and his people. So they saw that God favored them, that God had his hand upon them. So we're now we're in the desert, we're traveling, and we come upon this place where there is water that is not good to drink. Amen. And I asked myself, why is this story here for us? How is it that we come across this if God is such a great God of miracles? And so I started doing research, amen, and I, you have to back yourself up a little bit. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 13, and we go to Exodus chapter 13, and this is the story of our lives, guys and ladies. It reads in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it says, And this is prior to the Israelites leaving Egypt. It says, Now it came about when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. And this caught my attention. It says God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near or closer. For God said, Lest the people change their minds when they see war, and they returned to Egypt. And then verse 8 says, Hence God led the people. Amen? So who led the people? God. God. By the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. So here, here's, what I've, oh, here's what I've been wondering, or what I was wondering. I said, why the heck would God lead his people to bitter waters? Because if God is leading his people, wouldn't he be leading them to the end of the rainbow where there's a pot of gold, where there's this gigantic blessing? Amen. And, and we as people sometimes resist the leading of God. And we tend to blame God for things that aren't really God's fault. Amen. We, we do things in our lives that prolong the blessing from God. And, and this particular thing here that we have with the Israelites, with the bitter waters, uh, we will come to understand after that after they went to the bitter waters, they had another experience for lack of water in Exodus chapter 17. These are the only three scriptures we'll read today, and I can give them to you later on so that you can study them. In Exodus chapter 17, this is after the waters of rather, the bitter waters. It reads, then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed By stages from the wilderness of sin, according to the command of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, according to the command of the Lord. So God once again was leading them. Amen? God was leading them again. And the people, and there was no water for the people to drink. So here he is again. We're going to do a test by water. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses and said, Why now have you brought us from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? A little more, and they will stone me. So the the people were at the verge of killing him. This is after... I don't know how many miracles they had already experienced, but they've obviously experienced all of the stuff that happened in Egypt with, the, with all the things we just spoke about. They obviously experienced the, the, the turning of the bitter waters into sweet water, and, and now they're coming up against water again. And, and, and it leads me to think that the, we are a stubborn people. Huh. Yeah. Amen? We are a stubborn, selfish people. Because how many times in my life hasn't God proven himself to me, yet I come to this point where I'm tried, Amen and I question God. Because what I'm looking for is a microwave blessing. And if you want a title for tonight, we can write down microwave blessings. Amen. Understanding consequences. I'm looking for something in my life that that's quick and easy. Amen. I'm looking for a quick fix. The people of Israel were the people that wanted a quick fix. Anybody always want a quick fix. The reason why uh-huh. I did cocaine was because it was quick. I didn't have to wait for the thing to kick in. It instantly kicked in. Amen? If you ever did drugs, you know what I'm talking about. I'm ADD, and I like everything fast. I'm go, go, go. My brain spins 500 miles an hour, and right now I'm preaching, but my brain is still thinking about three other things while I'm talking up here. I have the ability to do that. I consider it a gift, by the way. Amen? That I can actually have a conversation in the back of my head while in the front of my head we're actually preaching what we're talking about tonight. Amen? So that's what the ADD thing is. We want it now. Anybody like that? Anybody, anybody like waiting online for things? Anybody like waiting for... I, I, I get upset when I hit the button on the remote to change the channel, and it takes a millisecond for it to go from one channel to the other. There are some TVs that they make that I take just just a little too long to change the channel. So I got DVR this week. Thank you. After so many years, you got to get DVR, because I got tired of watching the commercials in between my episodes of Forensic Files. I like to watch where people kill people and think they're going to get away with it. Amen. It's the study of, of idiots, amen? <laughs> if you know Forensic Files, there's a TV show that they people kill each other, they, the wife gave him antifreeze, oh, but he just got a life insurance policy last week, by the way, what a coincidence, amen? That's the other guy behind me trying to give you that one. So, unintended consequences. A consequence is, deci- is defined as the effect, result, or outcome of something occurring earlier. Amen? It's something we do earlier in our lives that produces a result later on in our lives. An example of this is aspirin. Has anybody ever known how aspirin was created? It was what? Intended for headaches. Amen? But one of the unintended consequences of aspirin at the 88 milligram level, I believe, it's also what? <laughs> it's a blood thinner, right? It's a de- coagulant. It coagulant it, it helps the blood circulate. But that wasn't the original reason why aspirin was created, it wasn't intended for that. Um, if you have now, if anybody sleeps on a tempur mattress, they'll find that it's a very comfortable mattress. It wasn't designed for us to sleep on it, it was designed for astronauts to sleep on it. So another one of the unintended consequences of that is that we now as a society get to consume the products that were designed to send people into space, like the microwave. The microwave wasn't designed for us, it was designed to make something for them to be able to get along in life. So we did things. When I first did cocaine at the age of 18, I never, ever, ever, ever thought that one of the consequences of snorting cocaine would be the destruction of my family. That wasn't presented to me as part of the package. Amen? Part of the package was we're going to party all night. Like the brother said, Mike, I think, he was up for 13 days. Amen? That's a long time. It's a long time even if you're sleeping. Amen? (laughs) To, To be awake for 13 days and experience the... The torture of 13 days of, of the persecution and the, everything else that goes along with it, it's horrible. So whoever told you that you were going to go down the life of addiction and despair? Did anybody ever think that that's where it would lead? I didn't think that. I thought it was just going to be party and fun. So when I spent all of my 10 years of drug addiction in the cocaine part of it, because I first started doing pot when I was in fourth grade, smoked my first cigarette when I was in second grade, and I was just crazy in my mind. And every, I tried things. I, was, I wasn't on a suicide mission, but I was on a suicide mission. I just didn't know it. So at the age of 28, I come into Teen Challenge, and this 12-month program, I think this is just crazy. I've got to do 12 months to get clean of drugs and alcohol? See, I didn't want to take the road that God was leading me down. You see, God could have taken the people down the short way out of Egypt. He intentionally chose the wrong, the long way for a reason, because there is a process that we must go through in our lives that can only be worked out taking the long path with God. Sometimes we put ourselves on the longer path. You'll come into the program. You'll be here for three months. You think you're good. You leave. You go out for three years. You come back and you do it again. You know what I'm talking about? That's taking the long road. So God gives you what we think is a long road. It's a 12-month program, but we don't want to get clean in 12 months. We want to get clean in 30 days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen? So I don't know if you did drugs as long as I did, but it would have been impossible for me in 30 days to get rid of the addiction that I had that was at least 10 years old. You can't even get rid of a habit in 30 days. You could barely get rid of, of your mind, the way you think in 30 days. So why would I want to presume that I can microwave my blessing and get it instantly when I wanted it, which is what I wanted to do? Why do people come to Teen Challenge and convince themselves that I can do this thing in 60 days and have the same results as if I was here for 12 months? Yet people think that. People did not start out doing drugs thinking they would end up at Teen Challenge. Those were the unintended consequences. But we must live part of our consequences because we did things that led us to reap what we've sowed. Amen? Amen. So who do we have to blame for this? Is it Teen Challenge's fault? Is it my fault? Is it your mother's fault? Is it your father's fault? We can come around and you can give me 500 different reasons why it might have been your mother's fault or your father's fault. I was abused as a child. CPS came to my house at least three times. I was taken away for interviews to be taken away from my parents' house when I was a child many times because I was very active, if I may. And on the last occasion, my sister was in the bathroom, and she wouldn't let me in, so I had to go to the bathroom, and instead of waiting for her to open the door, I went to the bathroom outside the door in the hallway in my house. My mother came. She hit my head up against the wall. I slipped on the pee that was there. I fell on the floor. And when I fell, she put her foot in my face. And it left a big mark on the side of my face. So the next day, I go to school. And I'm in gym class. And guess what happens when you put your shorts on in gym? Everybody sees what's up with your legs. You're all beat up. Amen? So CPS comes over, and they want to take me away. Now, I have every excuse, according to clinical doctors, there is for a person who has to be on drugs. I could blame my parents for having done cocaine for 10 years. But I've come to understand that it wasn't my parents' fault. I, I, I willfully yeah. took cocaine and snorted it at my choice and free will. Nothing my parents did to me pushed me or cornered me into making the decision of doing drugs. Nothing they did, nothing anybody's ever done to me. I have to learn, I've had to learn, and I learned to accept full responsibility for all of my actions. And I've also learned that some of the things that I did during my sin life, not that I'm not a sinner, but some of the things that I did when I was on drugs, take a little while to heal. And God did not bring me through a 30-day program because he just knew I would not make it in 30 days. He knew I needed 22 years. <laughs> Amen? He's still working on me. Yeah, some of you might be here for 22 years. Good luck. <laughs> You've been here 22 years, Kirsty. She was four, six years old when I came into the program. My beautiful daughter and her husband are here tonight. Amen. Amen. And 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 I always wanted to get away from this. I always wanted to get away. At the age of 14, I was sent to boarding school, and I lived uh, in a, a religious boarding school. It was another form of religion um, for four years. I was in the Dominican Republic and. I did everything we do at Teen Challenge, and I just didn't want to do that. I hated it so much it was torturous. But I realized after I came to Teen Challenge that it was actually God setting me up and preparing me because he knew that when I was 28 I would need that here. Amen? I come to Teen Challenge, and here I am. I am desperate to get the heck out of here. I just want graduation day to come. I'm counting the days, the minutes, the hours, the seconds, and it does not happen quick enough for me because I want God to do things my way. I want God to take me through the shortcut, even though things that I've done require a lot more time than 30 days to heal. So the question I have for you tonight is what have you done to put yourself on the right path no matter how long it takes to serve God regardless of what path he brings you on? You see, because when the Israelites came to the waters of Marah, they, they, they weren't they weren't there by their own will and choice. God brought them there. And what does the Bible say? It, it says in God tested them there. Amen? So God was giving them the opportunity to react a particular way, to see what they would do. In light of the fact that he had delivered them from Israel, from Egypt, that he had delivered their children, that he had fed them, that he had kept them, that he had covered them with the cloud, provided a, a, a fire by night and a cloud by day, that he had destroyed the Egyptian army as they were crossing the river, despite of all of those things that they experienced, he brings them to the bitter water to test them, because so their reaction should have been, praise God. Because he delivered us from A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, he will now deliver us from the waters of Marah. But they could not see or embrace the God that delivered them prior to that. All they saw was what they wanted then and now. That's all they wanted. Three days later, they come back to other waters, and they have the same problem. I mean, these people, we, we think that, they, that they're different than we are, but they're not different than we are because we are the same way. I was in a hospital in Amherst, Queens, with all tied up with, with, with EKG stuff. And, and the nurse says, um, they brought me in from the emergency room right into a bed. And she says, we got to go. They all started roughly, they got 25 people around me. I knew I was having a heart attack. And she whispers to the other lady, we got to get the cardiologist. And they pick up the phone and they call the cardiologist. And in my brain, I'm still high. I'm thinking, wow, they're really calling the cops. Well, i got to get the heck out of here. So I unplugged myself, and I left, thinking that she was calling the cops. i like, what the heck are the cops going to do to me? I'm dying. You know, there's nothing for them to do. But in my mind, I'm thinking they're coming. In my mind, I'm thinking it's somebody else's wrongdoing. I wind up at Team Challenge, and here I am with staff that I don't like, with people that I don't like in my room with all kinds of noses, that guy that wakes up at 4 o'clock in the morning and slams the drawer as you're still sleeping. Anybody have those? You you don't have those roommates, do you? You do. Okay, so my roommates were not the quiet ones. We had. I remember when I was in Rearsburg, one of the rules that we had was this: the, the dorm leader, some intern had this weird theology that you can't wake a snoring sleeper. And I was like, well, why not? Because I want to learn this one. Said, well, because if you wake him, you're considering yourself before him, and he's in a deep sleep, and your love for him should be so great that you don't wake him. I said, Well, my love for him isn't that great yet. <laughs> and every time this guy snores, I'm gonna wake him up because it's bothering my sleep. Amen. The, and, and those are the things that God taught me on the long path. Amen. On the long path. how many of you have been here more than more than 60 days? Amen. Those of you that have been here more than 60 days, have you experienced Multiple things in the last 60 days of God speaking to you. Multiple, amen? So now could you imagine the multiple more things that he is going to speak to you in the next 60 days? Right. Amen? If you pack up and leave now because the waters are bitter, you're going to lose your blessing. Okay. And this doesn't just apply to us that are in the program. This applies to anybody who's going through a trial and is ready to give up on God. Because God allows us to get to the bitter waters, it could be a sickness, it could be a disease, it could be a discomfort, it could be the loss of a loved one, it could be anything that hurts your heart, that touches you in such a way that allows you to turn your face from God and makes you want to do it your way. You see, I'm tired of doing things my way. I tried doing things my way. I thought I was in control. The reason the reason why I never did heroin is because I thought that I could not get, I could not control that high. Because I would see the guys that did it, and I would see them all nodding out. And I said, if I do that, I'm not going to experience the high. I want to be awake when I'm high. So in my mind, I was in control of my high, because I controlled how often I did it, and how frequent I did it, and when I could stop. And I had a balance of it. You mix it with alcohol, you smoke some weed, and you maintain that balance. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. You find that sweet spot, the one that keeps you there five days in a row. In my sick mind, I thought I was in control. I was doing things my way. God allowed me to go down that road because he says, I'm just going to let him keep going, but I'm not going to let him die. Because the enemy had me that day at Elmhurst Hospital. He says, I've got him now. He's going to die now. And God said, not yet. I am not over with this one. And the reason why every one of us is here that have ever done drugs that have even not done drugs, the reason why every single one of us is here, because God has had his hand upon us. Whether it was that time you were gonna cross the street and you were gonna get hit by a car. So many things have happened to me since I've come to the Lord. It's not just when I was on drugs. I could testify thing after thing, after miracle after miracle, where God has touched my life. And God is present in my life, and God is active in my life, and God is wanting to use my life. But when I come against a bitter water trial, I kick against God. So I always said that the Israelites were bad people. No, they weren't. I'm worse than they are. Because in my mind, in my pl- on my planet, in my, in my world, God has done greater miracles than he ever did with the Israelites. He's done greater miracles than those. But I'm an ungrateful individual. We are ungrateful beings. We have the tendency to kick and fight. And, 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 and just murmur and complain at every little thing, the food. I remember one of the guys on the missions trip to Santiago from Long Island. We were on the plane together, and he, and he was complaining, I can't believe I'm tired of eating chicken. All we have is chicken at Teen Challenge because Long Island gets a lot of KFC donated, I guess. Um, and I said, my goodness, we never had chicken when I was a student. We had salmon loaf on Monday nights, and it was horrible. Salmon loaf. I never. Spanish people don't eat Spanish salmon loaf. <laughs> we don't, never... Well, we had salmon loaf. There were pallets of canned salmon that this guy Brent would make with mayo and and peas. And it was good because if you're hungry, everything tastes good. And as you can tell, I'm not that picky, you know. I mean, I basically put anything in front of me and I'll eat it. Um, So we had salmon loaf. I don't know how I got to the salmon loaf. Got to turn that guy off in the back. He's trying to get the salmon loaf joke out. Amen. So complain. Who am I to complain? These people opened up the doors for me. Hmm. Has anybody ever been to a resort? Has anybody ever had, amen, to a, a vacation? Amen. <laughs> Teen Challenge is the resort. Yes. Teen Challenge, some, someone cooks for you. Hallelujah. Amen.
0: Hallelujah.
1: Someone does your laundry. <laughs> amen. Someone wakes you up. All right. Amen. Yes. Someone um, irons for you if you yes. want to. Yes. Amen? I've had Brother Zion from you all the time. Amen? Someone picks up after you in the kitchen. Huh? Some drives you around. You've got your own chauffeur at Teen Challenge. Has anybody ever considered the benefits of Teen Challenge? Amen? If you, don't, if you need a shirt, if you need a shirt, what do we have? We have Blessing Dale. Blessing Dale's not that room. That's the room. We got Dale's, bro. Amen? If you need furniture, what do we got? We got TC furniture. Come on, Paul. Amen? Has anybody ever thought about that? You have, huh? You have. Somebody washed, washes my, while I'm outside, somebody's washing my clothes. The guy, Josh, was supposed to come to me. You know why he couldn't come? Because he had laundry duty. Huh. He had to do laundry for the rest of the guys that were, used to be drug addicts. And they're over there complaining about the chicken. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. I never complained about the food, like, outwardly, because I said, what am I going to do? I mean, I'm not working. I'm not paying to be here. Amen? Hmm. Nobody put a gun to my head and put me here. And even if I was mandated here, it was my recommendation to the judge to send me here. Right. Oh, come on, we can go to Rikers if we want. You can go ahead, you can do your time in Rikers, or you can do your time here. Pick it. Some people would rather do their time in Rikers. How many people don't I know? We well, just sent the guy to federal prison because he would rather go to federal prison. He says, I'm done with this. I'm going to go back to jail and do my 10 more years. doesn't make any sense. That you come to Bitter Waters and you start complaining. So I challenge all of us here tonight to put together a list of the times you came to Bitter Waters and what God did for you when you were there. And come on, man, don't give me some little thing that God did for you, you know, because you, you can come up with these popcorn miracles that, that you want to make up. I'm talking about the real things. I'm talking about that time when you, sh- when you had that thing in your arm and you were dying of an overdose where you have to be Narcan maybe to get get woken up. Hmm. That wasn't no small miracle. That was God breathing in your lungs for you. You can, you can right. say Narcan saved you all you want, but it was still God's hand of life upon us. Right. It was his, his will for us not to die. Right. So we come to the 30-day prog- to the to the to the 12 month program and we start complaining over what? Why? Why is it that we allow ourselves to be like that when God has proven himself to be so wonderful in our lives? And I'm not saying that I don't complain. I have to keep myself from complaining. I turn on the news every day, and I find 5,000 reasons why not to complain. A bridge collapsed yesterday in Miami, and as of the last time I heard, I think six people were dead. And I said, it's a pedestrian bridge. Amen? What are the chances of the people being on that bridge and collapsing and the people being crushed under that car. Those bridges aren't too big. It's not like the George Washington Bridge. I said, my goodness, that could have been me. I could have been born in one of those impoverished neighborhoods in the Dominican Republic that we go to in San Fuegos. I could have been born in the garbage dump. And I don't know who went to the yard. You went to the yard. Did you go to the city of the garbage dump? Yeah. Th- those kids, you know what they play with? They play with garbage. Their toys are pieces of garbage. I'm not making this up. Um, Camille, you've lived there for, for many a year, I think, or something, right? Their, their toys are in the garbage heap. That's where they find their toy. And you walk up to them, and they are smiling like, like they've got a million dollars. So what do I have to complain about? When, when my consequences were brought upon myself... When I put myself in the situation that I'm in, and when God has already proven himself beyond anything I could ever ask for, see, I should be, God could take me home now when I'd be fulfilled.
0: Because
1: what else do I need? I'm saved. I'm going to be in heaven for eternity. I am no longer going to hell. But what, what else do I need? Other than to reach out and preach the gospel to those that don't know Christ. So, really, that's the only reason why I intend on. Continuing to live. I've gotten rid of all of my desires. I want things for my family and for an inheritance for my for my for my generations. Yeah, but but does it really matter? Does it really matter when when all we need is eternal life, and we already have the greatest gift? So why don't you put a smile on your face like you got something? Right. Walking around like you just hit, like you got only three numbers out of the Mega Millions, and you should have gotten six. You know. I hit the win four once. I got five thousand dollars, and I was, I was crossing back from my car to the from the bodega to my car after checking my ticket. This was in East Elmhurst. I almost got hit by a car on the way to the bodega because I was excited and all jacked up. And when I came out, that I had verified that I was aware, I got almost hit by another car. <laughs> Literally, I almost got killed twice in less than five minutes because my brain was spinning on the win four. Five thousand dollars that were gone that weekend. So what have we done to make us such an ungrateful people? What have we done that when we get to the test of the waters that we allow ourselves to complain and kick and fight when God has been so gracious to us? And this is a question that you would ask yourselves, my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. How is it that we allow ourselves to get to that point that even after inheriting eternal life, we still are able to walk around miserable? I always tell people, if you're saved, let your face show it. All right. Because you walk around like you're not saved. And if I'm saved, that's the biggest thing I got. I'm going to tell everybody how I got saved. And sometimes I just talk too much about it. But I'd rather talk about it than not. Because I used to be embarrassed about it. I used to whisper it at the supermarket. Hey, do you love Jesus?
0: <laughs>
1: I didn't want nobody to hear it. You know, I was embarrassed and shy. And then the Lord spoke to me. and said, come on, man. I did this for you up on the cross. In front of everybody. In front of everybody. Naked. Huh? Beaten in front of the whole world to see. And you're going to whisper this thing? You can do better than that. I'm not saying that everybody has to be bold like that, but some people all right. need to get out of themselves. Some people need to talk about what God has done. Some people need to tell people that they got the ticket and, and they hit all. How many numbers are in this thing now? When was the last time you played it, Paul? Come on, tell us. I know you. Huh? Okay. <laughs> At, least ten years. At least 10 years. I think there's seven numbers in it. And then there's like a magic number or something, right? That last ball that they pull out? A blue ball? Is it? Our miracle, if you put together the algorithm that would come up with a solution to what happened in our lives, it's, it's, it hasn't been figured out yet. The world is still trying to figure out how to get people off of drugs and alcohol. Are you getting this? For how many years? Forever. And we figured it out. (laughs) Jesus Christ. He gets us off of drugs and alcohol in a heartbeat. I came into Teen Challenge June 4th of 1996, and that was the last day I ever smoked a cigarette. That was the last day I ever had a drink, and that was the last day I ever ever snorted cocaine. Just like that. God did that for me. The world is still trying to figure it out on medication, through therapy through whatever else they do, which is why Teen Challenge went to the White House a few few months ago. I was part of the team that went to visit President Trump and, um, um, let me say Condoleezza Rice, it's um, Kellyanne Conway. And we met with her and presented her the faith-based solution for the problem. I said, you have a drug problem? We have a solution. It's Jesus Christ. And he can do for the entire nation what he's done for us. He really can. So I've asked you already, what is it that you're complaining about? Why is it God's fault that you did what you did? Because whose fault is it really? It's ours. And I'm not damning anybody. I'm not preaching a word of of condemnation. Please understand my heart. The problem is that I see that we walk around thinking it's somebody's fault, and it's not, man. It really isn't. When you embrace... And take responsibility for what you did. You will find that your healing will come quicker. Amen. If you remember David. Let me just give you two more um, characters in the Bible. What did David do? What was the greatest sin David committed that's recorded? It's he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Amen. And, and, And what were the consequences of that sin? His sons died. It says that the sword shall never leave your house. That means that every one of the people that you're surrounded by will all die by the sword. That was the consequence of his sin. Yet how did David react to that? David embraced the words of the prophet. And he said, I have sinned against you and against the Lord. And he accepted full responsibility For what he had done. And if you can read the book of Psalms and and a lot of the New Testament, you'll find everything that David wrote about God. Never once blamed God. Never once took it against God. Never once held it against God. Joseph, another one in the Bible, was put in the pit, thrown into prison, accused falsely. I think that the span between um, him being thrown into the pit and him actually becoming second in command, I think it was 33 years that went by before he actually became second-in-command. And in none of those instances did he ever complain or blame God. He always honored God. (laughs) Always honored God. Always said what was right. Always respected his leaders. Always respected authority. He always embraced whatever God had for him. Because the trial that we go through today during this 12-month program is going to help us, when we graduate, this little span that we're in right now. I was put on indefinite in July, in June of 1997, in Rearsburg, Pennsylvania, for having my family visit me, and I didn't have permission for them to visit. As soon as they left on Monday morning, I got called into the office and they said, you're being dismissed, sent back to induction for two months. And I said, the heck with it, I'm leaving. I've already done the program. I mean, I'm one month away from graduating. What's going to change? What's going to change in a month, I thought. I went to my room, and I fell on my knees because I was—I knew that I didn't, didn't want to leave like that. I wanted to graduate. And I said, Lord, if you really want me to stay here, then you've got to show up in this room right now. And it was just me in the room. There was nobody else in my room. I said, you've got to make a noise in this room so that I know you're here. And as I was on my knees on the bottom bunk, the top bunk lifted itself off the mat, off the off the off the, off the bed and slammed itself on top of me. Wow. That's what God said. You said you're staying. You're going to finish this thirty days. I went back to Brother Romero, who was my counselor, and I said, "I'm staying. I'm, what, what, you know, what can you do? Can you do? I have to go? Do I have to come?" When when they saw that I was intent on staying and going back for two months, they they reduced it to to, to indefinite. But during that month of indefinite, it was very difficult. It was my last month that I was supposed to be making preparations to be able to come home, making phone calls, and I couldn't do any of that. But I went through the indefinite in my last 30 days. This is in July of 19, June of 1996, June of 1997 through July of 97, when I, gra- I graduated on indefinite. <laughs> Amen? I graduated the program on indefinite. <laughs> yeah, go figure that one out. <laughs> September of 1997. I'm driving through Queens. I'm dropped, I just dropped my daughters off at their house in East Elmhurst. And on the way back, I said, let me pass by um, 37th Avenue. They, they had opened up this nightclub prior to me going into the program in Corona. And I said, let me just swing by and see what's going on in this place, just for the heck of it. Because I heard that they, had open, they were going to open it before I came into Teen Channel. Let me just go by and see what's happening. As I'm driving down 37th Avenue between Junction Boulevard and 102nd Street, I see the line of people outside the club, and, and my blood starts boiling over inside of me. And I start feeling this urge. I said, And I slow the car down as I come in front of the place. And something says, just get out and go check it out. And I say, you know, I'm going to find the parking spot, and I'm going to go in here and check this place out just to see how good it is, because I was a club guy. Amen? Not amen, but I was a club guy. <laughs> Whatever a club guy is, because I just went into the club and held the wall up because I was too whacked out to even touch anything. I was paranoid in there. (laughs) So I drive up. I find the parking spot, and the Lord says, you just need to keep going. (sighs) And my goodness, just, just five minutes, you know. And the Holy Spirit tells me again, just keep going. So now I'm in front of it, just a little bit past it where I can still see it over here. And now there's cars that are not letting me zip through, so I'm being, like, held back. And the last thing the Holy Spirit tells me is, I helped you through your indefinite last month or two months ago. If I helped you through that, I will help you through this. Just keep going. All right. I stepped on the gas and I kept going. When I was three blocks away, that thought was totally gone from my mind. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally gone from my mind. If I had left... With 30 days to go, I would have been inside that club and I would have been dead. Stand with me, please. What am I trying to tell you guys? I'm trying to tell you two things. Stop fighting the consequences of what you did and accept responsibility for what you did. Stop fighting the consequences. You did it to yourselves. And it's not just on drugs. Whatever you did, whatever you brought upon yourself, we did it. It's nobody else's fault. The second you start accepting responsibility from there on, you're going to start. You're going to see how quick you're going to start healing. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen? you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I'm not putting you guys down. No. No. I'm lifting you up. Yes. I'm giving you love. Yes. I'm letting you know. Stop looking for the person. Stop looking for somebody to blame. If you ask a politician, he's always going to blame somebody else. He's going to blame the party. He's going to blame this guy. He's going to blame that guy. He never blamed himself. Never takes responsibility for what he does. Take responsibility for what you did. (coughs) The good thing about this is that our consequences, when they're tied in with God, are always going to have great results. So even though we should have been dead, God says, no, 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 no. This might take a while, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you because I love you. Because I'm going to use all of that to help all the people around the world that need to hear your testimony about what I've done in your life. And this morning I want to ask you, if you are tired of complaining to come to these altars, Now you're going to say, well, I'm not going to go up there because that's going to be admission to complaining. (laughs) Amen. But I'm up here with you because I complain every day. I complain every day. I'm a spoiled brat. I'm a spoiled individual. If my food isn't the right temperature, I complain. If the water isn't right, I complain. If they mess up my drink at Starbucks, boy, do I complain. Amen. Amen. God shows me every day what's wrong with me. It's my decision to fix it. Come on. It's my decision to fix it. Understand that he's got you down the long road, guys, but it's because he loves you. The 30-day program wouldn't have worked for us, guys. We're special. Amen? We're special. Say, I'm special. That's why I need the 12-month program. Oh, I didn't hear too many of you guys say that. (laughs) It got quiet. Let me try that one more time. I am special. I am a son of the king. king. And my problem is so great great. that it requires a 12-month program. But my blessing is so great that it will come within those 12 months. And they will continue for all the days of my life. Come on, you got to proclaim those blessings because he's got them for you. Give God and yourselves a clap offering. Uh, yeah, give it to yourselves. Give it to yourselves. Give it to yourselves. Why give it to yourselves? Because there's many people out there who haven't come in yet. That you guys made the choice to get here. You came, you fought, you kicked, you, you, you screamed, whatever you did. You might have been mandated here. You might have been mom-dated here. You might have been dad-mandated here. Dad-dated here. Son dated? You were mom, mom dated? Oh, your son dated you here. I mean, your son put you here. <laughs> Whatever it took, bro. Amen? So who are you doing this for? God and your son. He deserves it. It's over, bro. You've done enough to him. Why did he bring you here? Because he loves you. You think he hates you? Nope. He loves you. Thank God for your son. Thank God for your son. Thank God for your son. Father, we thank you because.